when the Lord puts together a, a, a Sunday, He has a way of kind of speaking to us. Um, before I get into that, though, I, I want to share with you that uh, uh, when God lays it on our hearts to, to do the anointing service, it's amazing what He reveals to us. So as you see people, just pray for them. Lots of things come out. Uh, take it very seriously. I feel like it's a, a privilege to just ask the Lord to fill you in a very powerful way. Um, if, if those of you who are here remember about 13 years ago, uh, when my wife was in the hospital, the first time the Lord spoke to me, I said, I'm, I'm going to try this anointing service. And I've never really done it before. I'm, I'm kind of a, I've never looked at that. I mean, I just hadn't really experienced it. And that day when we had just started, um, 175 people came up to be anointed. And I'll never forget um, how the Lord spoke to me through that, that time because we didn't even have a service. We just, well, we had a service. We didn't have a sermon, which a lot of people were saying hallelujah about, but we had a chance to to just see the Lord do some amazing things. And so I want you to, to sense that for me because I really, I really do take that as a great privilege. And uh, I know it's a little different for some of you. It's a little different for me. And someday I'll tell you some stories that I've had through this anointing experience. But uh, felt like today God had directly laid it on our hearts. So I appreciate Brian helping and uh, you coming forward. In our prayer time this morning, at uh, before the service, uh, Brother Clay shared with, with Brian and I kind of a cool story and we're talking today about everything but the one thing. We're starting a seven-week series on the churches in Revelation. And uh, the one thing is you've lost your first love. And as, as Clay shared with us this incredible experience, the Lord laid on my heart and said, Clay, would you share it in first service? And then I asked him if he would stay for this part and share it for the second service. So he's going to come and, and share with you kind of something. And I'm going I'm to also tell you this morning that, that as Clay shares, I believe that God's going to do the same thing in your hearts and lives. So be open and listen. So Clay, if you'll come and share, appreciate you, brother. Um, you've got a microphone that's ready to go and, and a heart. Thanks. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm, I'm Clay. I'm a morning service guy. First and service. First service, yeah. yeah. And we're, we're, the, we're the fun bunch. So just so you know. I, <laughs> no. no, but as I look out here, I, I, I sat up there to begin with, and I looked at, at, at you all, and... Um, <laughs> I was amazed. I just I look at the group and I I just um, I just I think you I might have to retract the fact that uh, our service is the is is the fun bunch because you, you guys look like the fun bunch. So uh, you know I'm a, I'm a in fact you have it better too because um, um, in the first service John does these jokes right and if it doesn't go over good then he doesn't have to say them to you. <laughs> oh, you get those jokes too. No. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> no, but um, so um, my daughter got married uh, on the twenty second, and uh, it was a, it was awesome that she got married. And one of the things we did as a family was we put up um, uh, a picture of my dad. And I don't know how many of you know, knew my dad, but he went to church. He he died three years ago, and he went to church here, and he was he was a greeter with me, and. Uh, um, anyway, uh, we just love honoring him and, and, uh, um, having a memory of him. And, um, as, as we were doing that, um, uh, my, my mom came to my mind and she, she died when I was 18 years old and she died of Parkinson's disease. And she went through, you know, 10, over 10 years of just wasting, wasting away. And, um, and... I didn't know this, but uh, I, ha I have this, this guilt, this remorse, this feeling that 
Um, I, I didn't do, I didn't have empathy for mom. I didn't love her the way I should have. I didn't do what I, um, you know, what I should have in that time. And um, um, it, 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 I didn't know it, but it was, it was, um, it was eating me up. And um, so after that, after the wedding, uh, I just, I just asked God, you know, I was just, um, you know, I asked him to just be with me in that. In that. And last night, um, I, I woke up in the middle of the night, and um, and uh, so I woke up in the middle of the night, and God gave me this image, and uh, and in one fell swoop, not only did he, um, he 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 changed my life. He 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 gave me the grace that they're talking we're talking about in these songs. He he gave me an image, and here's what it was. The image was myself. And I saw my mom, and I knew I was in heaven. And here she was. She was she she was like this, for the last part of her life. She was in a in a, a wheelchair on a on a couch, slumped down, um, a shell of what she once was. And anyway, um, so I see my mom. And she's fully restored, and she's standing up in the air. And and here's this beautiful woman, my mother, and she's upright. And uh, I just I just run to her, and I embrace her in heaven. I embrace her and. In that moment, there was there was no shame, there was no guilt, there was no remorse, there was no uh, all there was in that moment was just this love that 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 was with us in that time in heaven. And God just he he, he wiped away all those feelings that I had of guilt and remorse in one fell swoop, and He showed me heaven. He showed me what we can have in store for us. Um, in that final destination. And uh, I just wanted to um, encourage you that, um, that he talks to you, that he, he, can, he can give you these um, feelings. For me, it's an idea or a feeling, and, and um, he, he does talk to you, and, and he can change your life. He can get away. He can give the guilt that you have right now. You know, something might be eating at you. He can take that. You have to ask him, but he can take that, and he can wipe it away just like that. And he, he wiped that away from me, and it was awesome. And he showed me heaven. And, uh, and, um, and I love my mom, and, and, I, and I know that, um, um, that, that, that it's just a great place for us. So I just wanted to give that to you. Could you do the follow-up then, too? I, I like your, your follow-up story. What happened? Okay. Well, God, uh, so uh, God's funny, too. And, and what I would encourage you to do is to be able to listen to him in the smallest things. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's... You just have to acknowledge it. He talks to you all the time. And not only does he talk to you, um, to you, but he talks to the people around you. And so um, I'd, been, I'd been having this guilt about my mom. So I'm thinking, what can I do to, um, to honor her? And so I decided, both my mom and dad, I was going to text them on my phone for, to, to just every day to honor them. So the first text I give to my mom is... I text her, I say, I'll love you always. And, um, and here's the response I got from God and my mom. It said, this is a nice sentiment, but who are you? <laughs> so he, he's hilarious too. So I'm just, um, but I would just like to encourage everybody that God, God's here. He's with you. He, 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 does, it in a, he does it with a tap. He does it with a nudge, and sometimes he'll hit you on the head. But he's here, and, he, and heaven is real. And I just wanted to tell you that. So, Thanks, buddy. Yes.
in first service, I felt led, I'm going to do it in the second service, Clay just shared a, a kind of a vision that God gave him and got complete victory from it, uh, said it changed his life. Anybody want to share something that, that the Lord's speaking to you about this morning? Uh, maybe something he's asked you to deal with and you, you want to do that or you just kind of can share Clay's uh, sentiment. Anybody want to share? First service was incredible. The fun bunch really went after it. So. Anybody, I know it's uncomfortable, but I think we could do it. Lord, asking you just to share. I'm okay with it. I'm not. I'm not. Inter- I'm not intimidated by silence. But uh, just giving you a chance. I feel like the Lord's kind of working it through, working his way through us this morning. Anybody? Yes. Good. Thanks, Steph. Somebody else. This is great. Yes. That's awesome. Thanks, Jim. Great. I'm going to change my message a little bit. I'm going to, uh, Dale, good luck. You're going to follow him. But Clay, I'll give you permission to leave. Now, he's heard my sermon. He couldn't wait to get out of here. So, uh, Lord bless you, buddy. <clears throat> Here's what I want to do today. Dale, you just kind of pop screen pictures up as you want to. Here we go. I'm going to talk to you about, uh, we're starting a series called Overcomers. And, and what I want you to catch with me this morning is that when you and I start a relationship with Jesus, his goal for us is to experience victory, not defeat. And I don't say that in a uh, health and wealth type thing that every day you're supposed to wake up and go, you know what, I got the best of everything. But what I want you to hear is when, when God talked to John, the Apostle John, in Revelation, he sent an angel to give him a vision. And you see on the back of your bulletin, the kind of the definition of revelation. And it, there's a, a couple verses there out of the first chapter that tell you that this revelation was sent from an angel to John as God's messenger to the church. Real quickly, revelation is, and I, we'll, we'll talk more about it each week. I'll give you a little more of a definition. But if you're going to look at the book of Revelation today as only symbols and all these meanings that are hard to understand, you're going to miss the point. In fact, there's a great quote, Dale, if you want to throw it up there, it says, as you read and study Revelation, don't focus so much on the timetable of the events or the details of John's imagery that you miss the main message, the infinite love, power, and justice of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's fun about studying God's Word, but let's come back to Revelation just for a minute. So John is banned to the Isle of Patmos, and he's there on his own words because of his testimony. He stood for God. They, they took him away and put him on this island where the criminals were. And while he was there, God gave him this vision. And the vision is incredible. We may, we may continue in Revelation at another time with all the things that God laid on his heart. But one of the things that he did was he said, John, you need to speak. And there's seven stars and seven lampstands. The seven stars are seven angels. Or seven stars are the messengers that God gave each of the churches, the seven churches that are happening in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. Interesting study in history. Some will tell you that the seven churches are seven different periods of history. There's the Iron Age and the Bronze Age. And if you try to put that all together, which some people really try to do, you realize that that these seven churches didn't exist during those seven times of history. So if there's a a meaning or a correlation or some kind of a tie-in, it's going to be a little tough of a stretch. I would say that there there may be some, some validity to that, but more importantly... John saw this vision for those seven churches of the day. And when he saw those seven churches, he realized that that there was a message that they needed to hear. The first church was Ephesus. 
And as we look at Ephesus, we know several things about Ephesus. It was a great city. In fact, it says there it was founded by Aquila, Priscilla, and Paul, and it was one of the top three cities of the eastern Mediterranean. Here's the thing you need to know. 250,000 people lived in Ephesus. And 250,000 people were, uh, experienced a great city. It had uh, amazing trade. It was a harbor, and it connected them to a, a number of other places, so it had a great economy. There was a government that settled right in Ephesus, and the government took care of most of the important trials and things for the whole thing. There was a, uh, one of the seven wonders of the world, the temple of Artemis or Diana. And in that temple, there were thousands of priests that came to worship Diana. Diana was a sex goddess. There were thousands of priestess who became temple prostitution. So here's this city of Ephesus, and they were, they were centered on this religion of kind of sex and prosperity. If I don't have your attention by now, I'm never going to get it. Anyway, so you realize that, that this was a big thing in that day. John gets this vision. And in the vision, he set some very important things. You can see in the next slide, that, that's what it was. Now, this is modern-day Turkey. That's where the churches would have been. But uh, they're all gone. There's, there, I think there's one that still remains. And so what he did was he got this message from God, and he began to share, as he wrote this vision, he looked at this group, and there were, there's three things that I like about this. It's chapter 2, verses 1 to 7 in Revelation. He talks about commendations. He talks about, I know of your good deeds. And as he talks about them, he knows that they're, 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 here's what they're about. They are hardworking people. They know what it means to work hard for a church. They are, um, they're following God. They're loving God. They're involved. They're right there. And then the second thing he says is, I know about your perseverance. They were sticking to their hard work, not allowing little things to stop them. And then he says, you have endurance. And, and this is an interesting concept because he said, you keep at it and you you don't put up with evil men. The Nicolaitans were incredible. They were involved in the temple of Diana. They were involved in all of the, immoral, the most immoral things of, of anything you could imagine. And, that's, and they were such a powerful influence and force to the city of Ephesus that people were amazed by what they said and did. So John, in his wisdom, feels like the message that he's supposed to get before he even gets this vision is one that, that we see carry out throughout the New Testament, which is when a Messiah comes to save us, it's going to be a king, a military regime, and a powerful warrior that will ride in and defeat the enemy. So all the bad people will be defeated. And, and all they hear is this word called Messiah. And the Messiah is going to come. Now, I mentioned in first service that the, the, the theme of the Messiah is woven from Genesis to Revelation. All throughout the Bible, you're going to see through the Old Testament that, that the prophets talked about Messiah, that God talked about Messiah. Jesus was there at the creation of the world, all the way to Revelation. And in, in the, the middle part, right at the beginning of the New Testament, he came in the form of a baby and then died on a cross, rose again, and he's part of saving the world. That's the Messiah that we know. So John struggled with that because he wanted that kingly military regime, and he said, it isn't going to happen. Here comes the, the vision from God. He said, I know your deeds. And he said, you have endured. You have not grown weary. You have put together, not only have you put up with these people, but you test these people to see if they are true, if their teachings are true, if their teachers are true. And I share with you this morning that sometimes in your life and mine, we forget that that's an important aspect of how we live. We, take, we, we just take everything for granted. We, we hear something and we say, hey, that's a good point, and we follow through. What John is reminding us this morning, and he's reminding the church at Ephesus is, that while we are to persevere, we cannot 
give in to standing true to God's word. Interesting church, great church. I would see that, say there's some parallels between Mountain View and Ephesus this morning. And one of the things is I see we have a lot of great, hardworking, motivated people who are persevering for the sake of Jesus Christ in a very positive way. That's why I love you guys. He says, I know, and then there's that little word, yet. And when he says yet, he said, yet I hold this against you, verse 4, you have forsaken your first love. So as you think about that, and as you think about this, this church, and you realize that in his commendations, he said, you guys are great people. You are working hard, you are following through, but all of a sudden he says, you've lost your first love, and this is what I think happened. And I think it can happen to us. We get so focused on events and checking each little box that's by our to-do list that we've forgotten our first love. Reading the Bible, pretty empty for some of us. Pretty bold, pretty boring, pretty drab. Worship. Worship is just going through the motions. It's something that we come and just kind of feel like, hey, I got to do, but it's not really, really touching me. Forgiving and giving. No way. Doesn't even mean anything to me. Sin. Sin has crept in and it's like we've just kind of accepted it. We've allowed it to be a part of our lives. Fellowship. I don't care. I don't want it. And it doesn't do anything for me. And suddenly we've developed a lifestyle where everything that goes on is just based on got to get it done, got to get it done. It reminds me of the Pharisees in the New Testament who were a group of people that said every time you follow the letter of the law, that's going to honor God. And I'll be honest with you, I grew up in a in a home where we did follow the letter of the law, and I loved it. My folks never really uh, pushed me to, to be you know, too weird about it, but, but man, it was, it was built into my way of thinking. So to, to obey the letter of the law gave me the ability in some ways to think, okay, I'm doing what, what's right because I followed the law. Good church. Not saying Ephesus was a bad church, but when John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says to them, yet I know this about you, I hold this against you. You've lost your first love. When we lose our first love, the word mediocrity comes into play. And you know what? One of the things about being mediocre is mediocre tends to disappear. So if the church as a whole is mediocre and we just kind of go through the motions, we're going to get to another church where uh, they they talk about uh, the lights on but nobody's home, and and we look at that church and, and we realize that when we go through the motions, we become mediocre. And mediocre disappears. Brian sent us a blog this week from a guy I really respect, Kerry Newhoff. He's a great writer. He's a great minister up in Canada. And one of the things he said in there is, the church today that settles on mediocrity, they're, they're, it's disappearing across our world because nobody wants to, to be mediocre. And yet I find that, that sometimes in our lives, if we come to this point where we just simply settle for mediocrity, we feel good about ourselves. Hey, you're looking at yourself, I'm in church today. Pretty good for me. Made it. And yet what we should be saying is, who am I going to take the power of the Holy Spirit that came on my life while I was at Mountain View this morning and make a difference in their lives? Is it my family? Is it my wife, my husband, wherever it is? We've got to learn that. Which he comes to, he says, yet. And then he says this, before we get to, the, to him who overcomes, he says, there's three things I want you to do. He said, I want you to remember. I want you to repent. And I want you to return. I don't know if that verse is, if you could pop up to the verse that it was at, Dale, I don't know where it's at, go, go back a little bit, but I think it's, uh, is it the fifth verse? Or maybe it's the, 
Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now back to the screen. Remember where you've fallen from. Remember the joy of coming to know Jesus at, at, at the first, your first time in life. If you've never had the chance to be with somebody who just received Jesus, if you've never been a part of asking someone if they want to accept Jesus, it is so much fun to be a part of it because they're like a sponge. They can't get enough of it. They want to know more. They ask you these questions. They wake you up in the middle of the night. Hey, John, when I was a youth pastor, I had these, these teens that were just excited about knowing Jesus, and they didn't care what time it was. And they'd say, hey, I, I, I did this. Is that wrong? Am I going to hell? Or they did this, and, I, and somebody told me this. And, and what about love? And they just began, and, and it became such a fun journey to be on. That's, that's where we start. So he says, remember from the height you have fallen. I accepted Jesus when I was five. I turned my life completely over to him. This is me personally when I was a sophomore in high school. And that's when I realized what it meant to commit my life totally to him. But you remember that part. Then he says, the second thing is you repent. Repent from the things that are turning you away from God. And I like the way he says, make a clean break from your current way of thinking. You know what, this morning? Some of us might need to have a break and have a clean and a clear new way to think. Because we have settled into what we think is an opinion that matters to us, and we've lost our first love. Hey, I can... I can pop verses up to you, and I can fill in the blanks, and I can do all these things, but if you really come alongside me, some of you are saying, that love just seems to be missing because I filled my life with so many other things, so much more anxiety, so many things that are going on. And then he says, return. Or repeat, rather. Repeat, do the things you did at first, knowing Christ. Get back to the joy, the love, the grace, and the mercy you once knew. Repeat. So when John is writing this, this letter to Ephesians, and he says to them, hey, this is where we're at, he says to them, repeat the things you did at first. And that's what I like about the, the, church, the, the, the letters to the churches in Revelation. Now, if God just stopped there and said, okay, but he finishes by saying, to him who overcomes. But you have this in your favor, verse 6 and 7. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And then he says, he who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Here's the great news today. And he finishes this. To him who overcomes. As we, become, as we are overcomers, he gives us the blessing of heaven. Now, I look at a gloomy, rainy day like today, and I like the blessing of heaven. I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's going to rain in seasons up there. But when I, and I realize my human thinking is very finite. I don't quite get the big picture of what I, what I think heaven is. But when he says to me, whoever overcomes, whoever says, I'm looking at all these things I've struggled with in, the, in my daily trials and the things I've given up on, and if there's sin in my life, he says to those of us who overcome, I will give you heaven. And I want to challenge you this morning as we finish to look at the big picture and to say, you know what, God, I need to see that picture of heaven. Clay shared a great illustration about seeing his mom in in perfect form. And when he shared that with me this morning in prayer time, I thought, that's an idea of coming back to our first love. Now, th this is that time of the message where I could, uh, I could jump on my soapbox and I could tell you, hey, there's all these things I think you need to do, but, but I, that's up to the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at this first church, and you can read it through read verses, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, and, and do your own study on it, take the notes on the back of the bulletin, you realize that what God is saying to you and me is, first of all, Get out of mediocrity. Get out of mediocrity. Realize that he's got an amazing plan for you. He's got stuff he wants you to do. There are things he needs to deal with in your life because he loves you. 
And as he loves you, he opens up those doors of victory and forgiveness and joy and progression and hope and movement. Or we can simply come back and say, wow, I'm just kind of stuck in here. I don't really have that sense of anything. How's your worship? How's your quiet time? How often do you read God's word? We put on the table and we're, we're 12 days into it, but read through the Bible in a year. Start 12 days into it. Catch up as you get a chance. But, but put in your, your lives. And one of the things he says is you got to hear and then you've got to kind of, you, you've got to read first and then you've got to hear or listen and then you've got to follow through. And that's another thing I think we can do losing our first love. We are so busy. We speed read reading through the Bible. You know what it is? Whoop. You ever teach yourself how to speed read? I do it with my finger. I can speed read a novel and just go right down and I just catch the big words. I train myself to do that a lot. I love to read and I love to read quick, but not the Bible. So what I'm challenging you to do this morning as we finish is this. And the very last slide, areas I need to surrender to God. And you've got some time today to think that through and pray that through. Look at Ephesians or Ephesus and look at the the challenge that he gave. And, and some of us can fill in. A lot of us can say, hey, I know your deeds. They're hard work. You're hardworking people. You do a lot of good things. You're involved in a lot of good things. And, and I want to reward you, but yet you've forsaken your first love. Would you pray with me? Thanks, Lord, for... Uh, being present today. Thank you for what was shared today and, and the, the passion that we sense from people who are striving to see you bring victory and progress and hope. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for this series of, on overcoming because we know that you present for us the ability to look at our lives in a realistic way and then surrender our lives to you. And you provide that perfect plan which, inc which includes growth and correction, and discipline, and joy in the journey called life. Thanks for letting us be here today. Thank you for uh, helping us to get to know each other a little bit better, even as we worship together. It's in your awesome name we pray. Amen. My challenge to you this week is that you will come back to that first love, that you will begin to experience victory and joy, and if God's given you a dream or a vision that you want to be able to, to see Him at work in your life, man, let it happen, because He's got great plans for we're not supposed to live in this world discouraged and defeated. He's got a chance for us to experience that victory because you know what? He did it for us. Lord bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week.